I hope that you, as you are coming to church now over the, over the past couple of weeks and you've engaged in worship together, that you're thinking about things, are you? Are you seeing, are you thinking about what we've been talking about? And as you're singing and as you're engaging in worship, I hope that some perspectives are changing, some, some new things, maybe you're noticing some things before uh, that you never noticed before. I, I, I hope that's what's happening. And this morning... It's appropriate, um, since we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper, to talk about the role of sacrifice in our worship. So we're going to be looking at a couple of passages um, briefly this morning before we um, go into the Lord's Supper. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 13 and Romans chapter 12. So if, if you want to kind of flip and find those and, and mark them and be ready um, in just a moment when we get to them. But while you're doing that, I want to ask you a question that I don't know that we consider very often. What did it cost you to be here today? What, what did you choose to sacrifice in your decision to come to church today? Or was there any element of sacrifice in choosing to be here? Is there anything that you had to give up? Anything that you would have been prone to hold on to that you willingly let go of and gave up so that you could be here. Um, some of us may think of things, and those sacrifices, I think, those kind of sacrifices could be small or big. Some of us may think, yeah, I gave up a couple of hours sleep <laughs> to be here. Especially you guys, because you're the 830 crew. Um, Maybe, you know, there, were, there was an opportunity for plans, something I, I could have been doing with friends or could have been doing for family, but I chose to set that aside so that I could be here today. And those are relatively small sacrifices. But to be a part of, of corporate worship could, be, could require large sacrifices. Um, we know that there are believers all over the world who are risking life and imprisonment so that they can gather together with other believers. So there, there are some folks who maybe sacrifice small things to worship. There are some people who sacrifice big things um, in order to worship. And, and maybe there are a lot of folks who are willing to sacrifice neither of those things. Neither the small things or the large things um, for the sake of coming together in worship. And that's a question. When I started personally thinking about what role does sacrifice play in my worship, that's the first place I went to was what, do I, what does it cost me when I choose to worship? And I think... That can be a helpful question, and I think that is something that we should consider. But then the more I thought about it, the more I wondered if I was even misunderstanding sacrifice and, and worship myself. And, and I'm going to share a thought that I had with you, and we'll begin here. Sacrifice is not the thing I do in order to worship. The sacrifice itself is my act of worship. 
And you may have to think about that for a minute. But I think even in asking that first question that I ask you and in challenging you to think about it, after I thought about it a little while, I was afraid I was asking the wrong question because I think I was thinking of sacrifice as being the thing that I have to do in order to get to worship. Like sacrifice was one thing and then worshiping was something different. And the more, I, the more I thought, the more I, I read and studied, and the more I prayed, I thought, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm missing something. Sacrifice is not the thing that I do in order to get to worship. The sacrifice itself is my act of worship. And I started trying to think of how that applies in other ways, and I thought, I didn't marry Kim on our wedding day so that I could love her. I didn't show up on that day dressed up with all of the, the, the stuff and the ceremony and everything. I didn't show up on our wedding day so that after I did that, I would be able to love her. I married her because I loved her already. I married her because there was already a love for her. And in that act of commitment and marriage, I was expressing the love that I already had. I I married her because I loved her, not so that I could love her. Does that make sense? And I think maybe that first thought of sacrifice, I thought sacrifice is the thing that I have to do in order to worship. But then I thought, no, the, the act of sacrifice in itself is the act of worship. And so I want us to think about that this morning. I believe that in worship, sacrifice should be involved in some form or fashion. And so uh, just briefly this morning, I want to give you three types of sacrifice that I think should be involved in our worship. Um, I want us to look first at the passage in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, specifically verses 15 and 16. You may have read these verses before, but I want us to think about these this morning. And and we'll find two of the three that we're going to talk about in this passage. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16 says, Therefore, through him, meaning Christ, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is... The fruit of lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share. For God is pleased with such sacrifices. Sacrifice has been associated with worship from the very beginning. And I don't know that if we go go back into the scriptures and look at all of the commands and every, all of the way that God has sort of instituted ways for us to worship him, I don't think we can separate worship and sacrifice. They, they're, they're, they're together. And, and worship is, is necessary. I mean, sacrifice is necessary for worship. To the Jews... Sacrifice was extremely important because think about there's the old covenant and the new covenant. Sacrifice was an essential part of the old covenant because sacrifices were the provision that God gave for for the forgiveness of sin. 
under the old covenant, for, for us to be able to come before God, confess our sin and have our sins forgiven, it required a sacrifice. Scripture says that without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. For, for us to be cleansed of our sin, for us to be forgiven, it required a sacrifice. And under the old covenant, that was the sacrifices of animals. A, a spotless, perfect the best of what we had, we brought to God. The blood of an innocent animal brought by the sinner was the means by which the sinner was forgiven and cleansed of his sin. And so sacrifice was extremely important. And God made sacrifice a part of the old covenant so that it would point to what he would do in the new covenant through Jesus. So under the new covenant, the blood sacrifice that used to be required that we would have to bring no longer is required for us to be forgiven of our sin because God has provided the sacrifice for us. Amen. God has provided the sacrifice for us in Jesus and in that, that one great pinnacle sacrifice of the Son of God, God incarnate, hanging on a cross, bloodshed, in that one act, there was no longer a need for a blood sacrifice anymore because that was the greatest blood sacrifice that could ever be given. And you and I couldn't give it. And so God offered that up for us. He sacrificed Jesus, the Lamb of God, the final provision for the forgiveness of all sin for all time because there's no other blood sacrifice that would ever be greater than Jesus. And so when we think about sacrifice and worship for us, being believers of the new covenant, people who are under the grace and the blood of Jesus, and his sacrifice is what has cleansed and atoned for our sins, we don't have to bring animals to worship anymore. Aren't you glad? We don't have to bring sacrifices. We don't have to kill anything to atone for our sin because God has, has done that already. He's made that provision for us already. And so if this kind of sacrifice isn't required anymore of us because of Jesus, we should ask the question, does God desire any sacrifice from us at all then? Maybe what, what we've done is that we've seen that God no longer requires that blood sacrifice for us to be forgiven. And so we think since God has taken care of that sacrifice before, there is no sacrifice that he expects us to bring. But that's not true. The blood sacrifice has been made. The, the, the cleansing and forgiving of our sins has been has been provided, and that is, that is what we remember when we share the Lord's Supper together. We remember the sacrifice that was made. But the, it, there is a new covenant sacrifice that God desires for us to bring. 
It's not a blood sacrifice, and it's not a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins, but the sacrifice that we bring under the new covenant in our worship is in response to the forgiveness that Jesus' sacrifice provided. So God says, no, it's not that I don't want you to sacrifice or bring sacrifices to me anymore. That still very much is a part of worship. But you're not bringing your sacrifices for the forgiveness of your sin. You're bringing your sacrifices because of the forgiveness of your sin. Do you see the difference? And so what type of sacrifices do we still bring? That he says, when you come before me in worship, these are the sacrifices that I desire. So the first one, I think, is in Hebrews 13. It's the sacrifice of praise so there's three this morning here's number one the sacrifice of praise that verse 15 says therefore through him let us continually offer up a to God a sacrifice of praise that is and so then he clarifies what that sacrifice of praise is the fruit of lips that confess his name Using our words to express his worth is the sacrifice of praise. So how can my words or praise be a sacrifice? You may think, well, it, it doesn't seem so sacrificial for me to offer my words the fruit of lips is what that passage in Hebrew says. So that, that literally means the expression of our words. To praise God with our mouths, with our voices, with our words. And you may say, well, that doesn't seem very sacrificial. But if you think about it, if I'm continually giving my greatest praise to God, that means that I can't give it to anything else. If I'm giving the praise, the fruit of my lips, to praise and glorify God, that means I can't use it to glorify myself. That means that I can't use my words to glorify other things or other people. I'm giving up the fruit of my lips. I'm not, I'm not using for my own glory and I'm not using for the glory of those lesser things that we've talked about. I'm, I'm giving it all to him so that there's nothing left. Because our flesh wants to brag, right? One of the songs that we sang this morning said we're, um, self-exaltation is something that we're prone to. We're prone to exalt ourselves. We're prone to one of the things, if we're not worshiping God, one of the things we will worship will be ourselves. So we're prone to, to brag, to boast, to exalt ourselves, to use our words, to praise ourselves. You've... You've been around people like that. And you have been people like that. And so have I. But when I praise God for the good things in my life, I admit that I'm not the cause of them. Because we can take the benefits and blessings that God puts in our life and talk about them in a way that makes it sound like they came from us. And God says, no, I want your praise. I want the fruit of your lips to glorify me. I lay aside the glory that I would desire for myself and I give it to God. 
I take the praise from the unworthy things, including myself, and I give it to the only one who is worthy. And you say, well, why does God say that our words should be a sacrifice that we give to him? Because everybody has them. Everybody has words. Um, there's, there is no follower of Jesus that is lacking words. And some of us are lacking less words than others, right? <laughs> some of us aren't lacking any words at all. Sometimes I bet you wish I would lack a few more words sometimes when you look at your watches on Sunday morning. But none of us are lacking for words and words are powerful, aren't they? Why does God say, sacrifice the fruit of your lips to me? Because it's powerful. The things that you say about God and the songs that you sing about God with your mouth are powerful. The sacrifice of praise is powerful. It, it, it exalts God. It, it, it puts the attention on him. And at the same time, words are powerful to raise up false gods and idols in our life. Praise elevates the one to whom it's given. Whatever we praise, whether it's ourself, whether it's a, a celebrity, an athlete, a, um, a friend, it doesn't matter. Whoever we give our words of praise to, it will elevate that person, whether they're worthy of it or not. I mean, think about all of the celebrities that, have, that, that, that even exist right now. You know how they got there? You know how they became such a big deal? Words. Why does anything become popular? Why does anything become something that people praise and, and talk about how great it is? Words. So God says, I don't require animal sacrifices anymore because nothing you could bring could ever come close to my son. Nothing you could bring could ever come close to that. But now I want you to give me your praise. I want you to give me the, the fruit of your lips. Let the words that you speak be for my praise and my glory because I am the only one worth it. Amen? Here's the second thing in that passage. We're going to call this the sacrifice of practice. Now, this is directly tied to the sacrifice of praise because remember last week we said that worship involved what? Action. We said that worship was a verb. So that means that we can't be passive in our worship. We have to respond in some way. So the praise, the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips has to be followed up with practice the praise has to be practiced I can't praise the goodness of God and then refuse or neglect to act in that same goodness toward other people if we go back look at look at verse 16 don't neglect to do what is good and to share for God is pleased with such sacrifices so our words can praise God but then after that our deeds have to follow the words that we say. And they have to follow in, in the lives of other people. 
deeds are the life service that has to go along with the lip service of our worship. Think about it that way. You hear people say, well, they're, they're, just, they're just giving lip service. You know what that means. That means they're just saying it, but it doesn't mean anything. Our worship can be that way. We can offer words as a sacrifice of praise and they, and, and they be insignificant because there's, there's no practice going on. Afterwards, like those, these things are tied together. The fruit of our lips and the deeds that come after that. Specifically, these deeds in this verse are talking about deeds of goodness extended to other people. And I think about Matthew chapter 25. When we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we care for the sick and and the imprisoned, and we provide for the orphaned and the widow, and we, and we rescue those that are enslaved. We're, we're living out Matthew 25. The, Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats. And he separated them, and, he, and he, he gave them his judgment of them. And the only difference between the sheep and the goats... Were the, was what they did and didn't do. I'm pretty sure that all, the sheep and the goats both offered the same words to God. They offered the same praise. Because even in that passage, look at Matthew 25 in verse 40. Jesus says, The king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did... For one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And see, the thing about the sheep and the goats that I find fascinating is the ones, the sheep, the ones who were actually doing and practicing their, their praise in the goodness of, 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 in their goodness that they extended to other people. They didn't even know it. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? And he said, when you did it for the least of these, when you did it for other people, you were doing it for me. Our worship is for God. So God says, I don't only want your words. I do want your words. I want the fruit of your lips, but I also want the fruit of your life. I want the fruit of your service. Praising God for his goodness has to be accompanied by the practice of that same goodness in other people's lives. If we, as First Baptist Lindale, come into this house every week and we sing songs and we talk about how great God is and we proclaim that to one another and then we walk out of here and we don't minister to people, It's empty. And there are many places in the Old Testament where God reprimanded and judged Israel because that's exactly what they did. They came in with the right words. They had the right ceremonies. They had had the right songs. They had the right rituals. They did everything right with their mouths. But there was no justice 
being done. They neglected people. And God says, God said to them, when you, when you live lives like that, your words and your songs and your ceremonies sound like a bunch of noise. And I literally want to put my fingers in my ears and not listen to it. So we sacrifice our praise to God. And then in the same, in the same way, we sacrifice the practice of that praise to him. But then the third one, finally. If we go to Romans 12, we'll see the sacrifice of self. I bet you thought number three was going to start with a P, but it doesn't. <laughs> Threw you a curveball there. The sacrifice of self. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Very familiar. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So if we're asking the question, what is worship and how do I worship, we have to pay attention to this verse. Because it's right there. God says this is it. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now this one verse, we could, we could preach a whole series on this one verse if we wanted to. We could go multiple weeks diving into this. But this is the main thing I want you to see this morning. The sacrifices of the Old Testament, the sacrifices of the Old Covenant were dead sacrifices. Because before an animal, when the, when the animal was ultimately brought and laid before the Lord and sacrificed, it was killed, it was dead. And once that animal died, that was it. There was nothing more of that sacrifice. It was dead, it was killed, and then it was done. And so I couldn't keep bringing the same sacrifice over and over and over. I would have to find another sacrifice. But every time I brought one, it was, it, it, it's dead. Every time an animal is brought to the Lord to sacrifice in the Old Testament, it's, obviously it's dead. You can't sacrifice it until you kill it. God says now because Jesus has been sacrificed for us. He says, I don't want your dead sacrifices anymore. I want living ones. I want ones that are ones that are alive. And that sounds that that would have sounded probably to the Jews that would have sounded really strange. Living sacrifice, what do you mean? How can a sacrifice be living because to sacrifice it you know we have to kill it. God desires a sacrifice that is living, not dead, rather than offer a dead animal we are to offer our living selves that are continually bringing sacrifices with each day. That living sacrifice is our own bodies. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You say, well, what does he mean by bodies? Is he, is he calling us to just, to literally die? No, because you wouldn't be a living sacrifice then. You would, you would be a dead sacrifice just like an animal. 
So a living sacrifice, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. Well, how, how do I do that? Everything that, everything that I am is contained in my body, right? When you look at me, you see, you see my body. And everything, everything that comes out of my life comes out through my, every good thing I do comes through my hands. Every good place that I go, I get there with my feet. Everything that comes out of us, our minds, our wills, our affections, our work, all of these things come out or is expressed in our bodies. And God says, offer all of that to me as a living sacrifice. Whatever it is, whatever you use your body for, let it be for me. It's one way of saying, God's saying, I want you to give me all of you. There's not any part of you because what, what, what's really being done here in this letter to the Romans, it's fighting this idea that was, that was prevalent in the, in the first century and it's still prevalent today in some ways is that what I do with my body doesn't affect my soul. That those are two separate things. And so Paul says, no, it's like you're not just offering. We can't do whatever we want to do with our bodies and then say that we're offering our spirits and our souls in our worship to God. He says, no, it's all, it's all together. What you do with your body is, is part of your worship. So offering all of ourselves. God delights in the sacrifice of our words. He delights even more in, in the sacrifice of practice of the praise that we give and then ultimately we're called to sacrifice all of ourselves. See, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that many people will use their lips and say to him at the judgment, Lord, Lord. Many people will use their words Jesus even says in Matthew 7 that some will come and say, Lord, didn't we do all of these things in your name? Lord, we, we cast out demons in your name. We, we, we did things, we served people, we did, we did great stuff and we did all this in your name. So our words, we, we're calling, they were calling him Lord and they're doing all these things in your name and he says he'll look at them and go, I never knew you. It's even possible for us to, to offer like our words and our deeds without offering ourselves. So it's like those are three levels. Offering your words is one thing. Offering deeds that back up your words is another thing. But both of those things will be empty if we've never offered our whole selves to him. 
if we've never sacrificed our entire life. And that's what we do when we believe the gospel. When we come to him in salvation. The prayer that we pray is not, God, I'm going to say great things about you. And not, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do good things in your name. It's a prayer that, God, I'm, I'm giving you all of me. It's, it's the prayer of self-sacrifice. So here's the last statement that we'll end with before we go into the Lord's Supper. We worship through sacrifice because the one we worship has given himself as the, the greatest sacrifice. How can we think that sacrifice is not a part of worship when the one that we worship has made himself a sacrifice for us.